Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome. It is another Tuesday at one o'clock, and we are here. Today, we are here with Dan Alexa. Um, we will let you introduce yourself in just one second. <laughs> We're going to talk to him about, uh, it's basically Dan Day. Dan gets to be the uh, center of attention today. We want to we want to get to know Dan a little better. Before we get started, I'm going to have Jerome introduce himself. <laughs> As he uh, drinks water. <laughs> have to wet my whistle. Um, hello, everybody. It's great to be back for another Tuesday Live. I'm excited to be able to talk to Dan and get to know a little bit more about him and share that with you guys. If you guys have any questions, please let us know. We're paying attention. And uh, we'll try and go and ask those for you guys as well. And... Um, I'll quickly introduce and I'll let Dan introduce. Uh, I'm Brooke. I am the Chief Operating Officer here at, C or at CLCI. I'm just going to keep doing uh, do COO at C I CLCI. Um, uh, and uh, mostly I'm just here to hang out and talk to Dan. So let's let Dan <laughs> introduce himself right now. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dan Alexa. I am the lead facilitator trainer at CLCI. I've been with the company for about three years now, uh, teaching level one and level two. My background comes from corporate, uh, ran screaming from corporate about six years ago and stepped into hypnotherapy and then into coaching and have carried my practice forward ever since. So, um, Talk to me a little bit about you. I mean, you just mentioned your back, your history, your corporate, your everything. Talk to me about how you give us a little more uh, in-depth story of how you ended up uh, in coaching and, and by way of hypnotherapy as well. Okay. So back in 2013 was at a moment of what I call with myself and with clients existential crisis. I was miserable. I was in a marriage that wasn't working. I was at a job that was as those who have had me in level one and sometimes level two have heard soul sucking. It was, it was literally killing me. Um, I've always had an interest in personal improvement, personal growth and self-help. I was reading two different books at the time. One was Black Hole Focus, which is the book that literally changed my life. And the other is Blue Zones, which is about the areas in the world where people live to be over 100 and like super healthy. Mm -hmm and came across this idea in both, it originated in Blue Zones that was mentioned in the other book, about in Okinawa, which is one of the Blue Zones, they don't have a word for retirement in their language, but they do have a word that roughly translates to the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning about living with purpose. And I, I think it's pronounced ikigai. Um, and I grabbed onto this concept and started asking myself, why am I going to this job that I hate? I've, I've now, I've been there seven years, why am I going here at any other day? Because it's just a miserable experience. And there's always that surface answer, just like with our clients, there's that surface answer that says, it's because you have a mortgage, you moron, and you need to eat. <laughs> and then it's like, I know that's not it. I could, I could work somewhere else. There's something about this place that I keep going back to. And it took about two weeks. And one morning, a client called and said, hey, we need you to come over this afternoon. We just had this hot project dropped in our laps. Um, we kind of know what we want, but we're not sure how to get there. We're not sure how to produce it, but we know you will. Do you have time at two? I'm like, yep, be, see you then. And as I hung up, there was a light bulb, just like my flash symbol, right above my head. And I knew in that moment and felt it in my core as a deep knowing that I loved problem solving that I was really good at it. And the more we could negotiate through the problems, like the pros and cons of every solution to find the best possible solution, that that was where I loved being. And I stepped away from, stepped back and like, okay, now that I know that, where do I take it? Because my current wife and I, we were, we had just begun dating at the time. Um, we were moving from Kansas City to Florida. And even if I wasn't burned out in what I used to do, I had to reinvent anyway. And that's when hypnotherapy, really strangely dropped in my lap. And that's about the, it was a moment of universal alignment, like shut up and take my money. This is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> is that how the universe speaks to you typically? <laughs> Pretty much, it smacks me in the face and says, you're, you're paying attention now. <laughs> Hello. If you weren't before, we're gonna make sure you do it this time. Um, uh, and then, so talk to me a little bit about, um, I guess about how how hypnotherapy and, and coaching align for you and, Okay, I, in for me, 
they're really two different things. And there's a one-way door between them that coaching and, and the tool of coaching, particularly the way we teach it, the way the ICF aligns it and describes it, that can come over into hypnotherapy all day long. I can use the coaching tools, the questioning, the reflective listening. The, clients in, the client is in control even here. So the coaching tool can come over here. But the, hypnoth- the tool of hypnosis cannot come over here. It's not part of coaching. So I have two separate contracts that when a client comes in and we're, we're just having our first initial conversation before they're ever a, a client, when they're truly a prospect at that point, which one are they looking for? They'll, they're calling me, so they kind of sort of know what they want. And we'll talk through it, which contract am I sending them so that then I know which hat I'm wearing when we are seated together. Um, and that's important, right? That's very important knowing which, which hat, especially in coaching, which we've uh, something we cover <laughs> pretty extensively. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so how did you make your way from hypnotherapy to the coaching aspect? Like, how did you end up finding yourself at CLCI? So what happened was through my hypnotherapy training, it was, that was 500 hours of training. There was conversation about coaching there, particularly the reflective listening model. And there, there's conversation about how, you know, you can call yourself a coach even in this space right now if you want to pursue something with like the, the ICF, go get that training. And when I opened my practice in Florida and even when, after moving to California, when I'd be out networking or even just meeting people socially, if my wife and I were out and they would say, oh, what are you doing? I am a hypnotherapist. There were two answers and two answers only. Like there was either the coolest thing ever or they thought I was going to make them dance like a chicken when I shook their hand. And it's like just complete disconnect of, oh my God, you're reading my mind. Um, and I wanted to be able to work with that part of the population as well. So I started looking into coaching and, and yeah, there was that thing I could have just said, oh, I'm a coach, but I didn't feel authentic doing that. So I started researching close coaching programs and I found the school in 2017, um, took the class when Lisa was my facilitator here in LA and it was just a magical weekend of, of learning to really how to apply the model and use the model properly. So I could authentically feel like a coach when I said, hi, I'm a coach. Now, before we go to, to the coaching a little more, um, talk to me a little bit about that, that like, uh, if I shake your hand, you might cluck like the chicken thing. Um, not really the case, right? <laughs> right. Yes. So If I were to say there's one thing that is the hardest thing about marketing my business, it's the people doing stage hypnosis shows because more people see that nonsense than they see the real applicable healing healing method of hypnotherapy. So for those who have seen those things and are worried about someone taking control of your mind, it can't happen unless you allow it. Um, you cannot be hypnotized to do anything against your moral code. Anything you don't want to do, you cannot be made to do it. It is not mind control. And if you're saying, but I, there was this friend of mine who was like really shy and they were up and they were dancing like a ballerina and talking in foreign languages and things and hitting on, you know, the hitting on this person they'd never met. There's a reason for that. It's because while you can't be hypnotized to do anything that's outside of your, outside of your norm, Deep down, that person has a story that they really want to be the center of attention. They've got one running consciously that says, I'm not allowed to do that for whatever reason. But now they've stepped into a space where, oh, it it looks like somebody else is in control of me and I can be the center of attention. And, oh, I forgot everything that happened up there. Oh, my God. Oh, how funny. It's because it's in alignment with, yeah, it's in alignment with what's really deep down inside. So I've never, I've never, you know, I thought of it that way, but it makes perfect sense is that they want to be on stage and do have that stage moment. And so they're willing, much more willing to go along with the uh, whole process, we'll say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then there's some that, you know, there are some people that just go up and play just like, oh, I'm going to be on stage. I'll do whatever they say because I want to be up there. And, and there are others that will truly be in the state of hypnosis following along, but it's, it's really their, their deeper self coming forward that wants to be at the center. You know, no shame to those folk. No shame to anybody who, I mean, everybody likes a little attention now and again. <laughs> um, so uh, 
moving from from hypnotherapy, you you took the life coach C- class at CLCI. Lisa was your teacher, which is awesome because she's our owner. And um, and then you ended up. How did you become a teacher, a facilitator? I as we were wrapping up on Sunday, Lisa said at that time we didn't have this group. We just had the business page, and Lisa said to the class, um, "Hey, go." Um, stay in touch with us, connect with us there because the company had been around for about seven years at that point. Um, and there were eight or 10,000 people connected to that business page. It's like, you're not the first class to come through LA. So get connected with us there as you're doing things. If you're doing events, doing speeches, if you've got a, um, an ebook or something coming out on your website, let us know and we'll promote it and get connected out to others who've come through the school. So I started doing on some like classes here and there. I had my first ebook published. I published my first book and I just kept pushing all this content up to the business page saying, hey, here's this thing to share. And it was about six months later that I received a phone call or a message saying, uh, yeah, would you have some time to talk today? Like, ooh, <laughs> did I, is this a call to the principal's office? And it was like, no, this is all good stuff. And uh, they offered that um, I was doing all the things in the right way, honoring what coaching was and putting myself out there. And I just, by being seen, by putting myself out there to be seen, I was seen and the rest is now history. Um, so you've written, you wrote a book, you said you had an ebook. What was your ebook? Uh, can you talk a little bit about your ebook? Please? Yeah, the first one, the very first one was called Destroy Your Comfort Zone. Very, very masculine title there. Like, destroy it, blow it up. Um, it's all about getting past that space of comfort. And that those early chapters developed into a version of what was my first book that I co-authored with a friend in uh, who was in British Columbia that was Practical Manifesting, which is the grounded aspect of taking action, getting clear on what you want, and then taking action to make it happen. Um, I can talk about it out in spooky woo-woo land of creating and manifesting, or we bring it down to the level of um, what's what's currently called life mastery. It's the same stuff, just different words. So we wrote that book more leaning toward the life mastery aspect of just get clear on what you want and start taking action. Then Then we snuck in some of the not so super spooky, but some of the more spooky energetics to get people thinking into that space. Um, and the bestsellers, right? From what I'm told, right? I think I, I just picked up a couple of myself. <laughs> yeah, both are um, Amazon number one bestsellers. So Amazing. if anybody, if anyone in the group is interested, if you're self-publishing or writing a book, if you want to know how to leverage the Amazon algorithm to get an Amazon number one bestseller, feel free to reach out. I would be happy to share that information because it's not hard. There's work to be done, but if I can do it, <laughs> you can do it too. Can you share, is there any element of that you can share now you're willing to sort of throw in, the, I mean, little tool technique? Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> offer two. One, do not offer pre-sale. And number two, let people know that the book is coming and get them all aligned to take action on one day within a 24 to 48 hour period. Get all of your friends, family members, all those people who are interested in your book, get them to take action on one day. There's some other nuances that are deeper dives, but those, those are too good dense to get you started. So uh, to, to, what you're saying is, is make sure that you don't do pre-sale, you, you release you to the public on one day and on that day, you get everybody in your contact list that you know to buy a book, <laughs> basically, right? And then suddenly you beat the algorithm because now you've sold 70 or 80 or 100 or more copies in the space of a short period of time. And you've eclipsed all the other people in that particular bookshelf. Nice. That's a deeper dive for the conversation. But that's, that's the key of it is get people taking action. A lot of people in a short period of time and you will beat the algorithm. So on a side note too, uh, which this is brings us always into the marketing tool that, I mean, having a book is a great lead magnet. That's a great thing to have, to have, get people to find you and then find your services, correct? Yeah. It sets you up as an expert in the field, whatever topic you're writing your book on it. If you know enough to write a book on it, now you have some gravitas on that subject. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this, never write a book with the intention of making money off of it. This may or may not happen. But 
that book will be the most, I'll say it this way. Book will probably be the most expensive business card you will ever produce, but it holds doors open and it opens them at the same time. So if you are called to write one or have an idea, do it. With regard to expense, I mean, what what is somebody looking for in that realm? Like how much does it cost to write a book? Outside of just your time to get it done. Um, depending on what you do for editing, because you could you could have someone a very high concept editor who's going to edit for flow and everything else and bring it into alignment, you could be talking a few grand there. Um, because I I tend to I have always been a writer. Um, I had friends read it and give me feedback and then sent it to someone just to read for grammar because I know there's certain things I still do that are not grammatically correct, but I've got this default of putting commas in certain problem. places. Yeah, serious Abersand issue. I've, I've yeah. seen somebody about it. <laughs> I'm in therapy for mine as well. <laughs> so um, we had somebody, we had we had someone just read it for grammar and, and a little bit of flow that I think it cost us less than 400 bucks to have the better part of 40,000 words read. And then the cost for an ISBN is about a hundred bucks, which is the barcode on the back of the book. And to then publish on Amazon is free going through Kindle Direct Publishing. The only other real cost is if you have if you need to have someone set up the file for you, maybe a couple hundred bucks there. And since it's all print on demand going through Kindle, Kindle Direct Publishing, you only pay for what you produce. And depending on the size of the book and the page count, round number, maybe like three to five bucks a copy ballpark. Yeah. We just um, we just printed our manuals. I don't like that I have one nearby, um, which we got them printed and bound in there. It's beautiful, and we use the printing. So we use Lulu Print for that. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, we actually are paying I mean, far less than 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 what we had thought we were going to, and it comes out to a really reasonable cost. I think it's like ten dollars a book, and um, uh, and that's a big that's a beefy. I mean, that's a that's a book. <laughs> there we go. Sure. There's one. <laughs> Jerome, Jerome saves the day. Um, and and it's really cool because it's print on demand, so we can uh, we can just offer that to our students or what have you. Actually, we, I was just talking to Jerome about doing a color version that way as well, which oh, we cool. could actually offer that now if we want it. So that would be sweet. And now, <laughs> um, uh, so if, just to once again to recap, the, the cost you're looking it sounded like somewhere between you know about a thousand to two thousand ish. You could do it for less. I mean, honestly, to get mine, both of my books published with the editing, say around 400 bucks, mm -hmm. another hundred for the ISBN, because you don't okay, want the free one. You want the universal one for various reasons, but you don't get the free one from Amazon, spend the extra money so you can sell it other places. Um, 500 bucks, maybe. Oh, and, so and, and the bulk of that is going to be your the bulk of that will be your editing cost. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't want an editor, guess what? You know, you can publish for a hundred bucks. <laughs> so just put it out there. Um, and then as far as copies, depending on how many you want to order, you you can order one for that three to $5, or you can order 50 for that three to $5. So five, I mean, 500 is very reasonable. I mm -hmm. mean, for to do that whole thing. Um, with regard to uh, publishing too there are lots of and amazon is a great one but there's other there's tons of self-publishing sites now too that will publish you and put put you out into their channels as well yeah there's cd baby is one and i know they have a book publishing wing as well i i haven't looked into their stuff too much i just i just went through amazon because i had the most familiarity with us but there's there's at least three or four others that are out yeah, there Lulu, doing good work. Lulu, Lulu Print is, does one as well. Um, and they have a whole pub, I guess they, and that branches out to the whole network that they have, which is pretty cool. Um, one of the biggest keys with that too is always linking back to your website in whatever copy you use for it, right? Because so that people can find you. I've, I have found myself authors um, I've that way by, by reading a book and then being like, this is amazing. And then going and, and looking them up from there. That's um, it's, I, I personally have done that several times. So um, yeah, always in the about me, if you want to learn more, go here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Give them a way to find you. That is the key mm -hmm. <laughs> always. So um, beyond publishing a book, let's talk a little more about coaching. I know that you um, you've been a coach for how long now? Three and a half years. So three and a half years. And um, 
where when you first started this is just gonna it's kind of a high in the sky question here uh you first started you were how have you how has your perspective changed from from day one to three and a half years in i think my biggest perspective is that there's two and one is really trusting the model that it works because I don't care who you are and what you do. The f you can go through as much training as you want. You can have a doctorate in something. The first time that you take that knowledge that is a is the learning and you have to apply it to someone and be seated, there's that, oh my God, am I ready to do this yet? Um, that it really gets interesting of, I'm not sure I'm ready, the imposter creeping up. So having set through those first you know, 10 hours or so of being live with clients and really trusting that the model works and experiencing it like, wow, I got through that one just fine. <laughs> Everybody's still alive. This is great. Um, to now, as I'm working on my PCC credential with the ICF, hearing an entirely new, finding an entirely new way of hearing and hearing into conversation instead of just staying with what's presented in the moment, um, working with my mentors really opened up my listening skills. And within the past almost year now that since I first started working with her, um, it's been a fantastic journey. A little bumpy along the way. It's like, you know, got to learn those new things and flex them in. But once it clicked, um, really going deep now and, and fully trusting the model, client knows they are in charge. They know what they need for whatever reason, they're blocking themselves from being in that awareness. And I've seen it time and time again. I have, I will say personally, I've seen you grow a lot over the last year. And I know it's been um, a, a journey and frustrating at times. Um, <laughs> um, uh, do you want to share a little bit, bit about that? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. So when I started, like when I first started the credentialing process for my PCC. I had my 500 hours in with clients and everything else, had all my training down and hired my mentor. And like, I'm arrogant enough to think that my coaching is perfect, or at least when it comes to me, like, don't, don't evaluate my coaching. I know what I'm doing. I teach this. So I went right out and I did a hand, I did a couple of recordings, got this down, sent them off to my mentor to listen to. And in our very first session, she's like, so, um, yeah, uh, about your recordings, uh, ACC level, you're good. You're golden. You're really, really good at that level. Very advanced. PCC, and eh, not so much. That's what we're going to work on. <laughs> <laughs> and in that conversation, she reflected back on the two samples I'd given her. And she said, so I'm noticing this this theme that goes seems to go through your coaching interactions where when the client's talking about their struggle, you'll spend time like understanding where they're at. But when they talk about where they want to go, you're like not there very long. You you get there and then you're off into solution and steps. And what's that about? Like, and I, I took this long pause. I really was like, why do I do that? I hadn't noticed it before. And this from deep within me, this awareness comes up. It's like, because you weren't allowed to be happy as a kid it went away. you like, anytime you were happy, oh, you know, there's going to be some reckoning. And I just started bawling in that moment. <laughs> the first time I'd met this person and I'm crying, like, I can't believe it. Um, and she held the space for me so wonderfully. It was, it was just this purge that was there in the moment. And then that opened, like, how did, what was it about her listening skills that brought that out? She only, she listened to two 30 minute calls. And she picked that up that quickly as a theme to ask me that question that dove deep. She didn't lead me. She didn't do anything. She's like, I'm just observing this and tell me what that's about. Um, that was powerful. And it was then flexing into that new level of listening was a struggle. Um, I was joking with Lisa a couple of times about it, that it, it reminds me of a story I heard when I was in elementary school, that elementary school English teachers are some of the worst spellers. It's not because they don't know what they're doing. It's because they're constantly visually seeing misspellings oh. coming from students who are learning to spell. So it gets anchored in this way of spelling. So they, they not intentionally, but they accidentally misspell. And I kind of felt along the same way. It's like, I work so much in this space of the ACC 
that I had to now f- really consciously flex into this new area. But now that I'm there, it's easy. It's easier to bring an even bigger awareness to this pool. So talk to me a bit about that because you, one of the things you said was like, I um, flexing into that new listening skill, uh, flexing into that PCC coaching level. Can you uh, expound on that? Tell me a little bit about what you mean. Yeah, it's what I see as the shift from a ACC to PCC is we go beyond just what the client's bringing in as the topic of the day. And in, even in level two, we talk, we talk about this, that typically the thing the client brings in as what they want to talk about in that session is not really the thing that they really want to talk about. It's it's the surface layer of it. And as we get into the exploration, we've, we've met, we like, what do you want to talk about today? Okay, tell me more about that. And we start rolling. There comes a moment in the conversation where when you're listening for it and, and you're aware that you'll hear whether it's directly said or whether it's kind of said in a way that you know there's something behind it, the limiting belief come up and it will be as simple as um, maybe as the client is presenting an idea, they, they present it with more of a question tone or what I'll see a lot is they'll be saying one thing to me, but they'll be kind of looking off in the distance as they say it. I was just going to ask disconnected. you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Dan and I just had a coaching session. And by the way, John uh, Guillotine or Guillotine hey. says hi, and he says, great share and thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks, John. Uh, so I, I, I'll share. I was recently coached by Dan, and uh, I, I, I like to say in three questions, he had me crying. <laughs> And a few more, and I was put back together, and it was great, better than before. But um, uh, what was that moment for? I mean, <laughs> I think I, I mean, I was jumping all over, but I think um, what was what was the indicator with me? I'm just curious. <laughs> the as I recall that session, the first thing that came up, um, I feel like I have to ask that. Share, is it okay share, to share confidentiality? Share, share. <laughs> I am, I am um, an open book. <laughs> the first thing that came up in a hearing was as I was observing you tell me what was going on, there was no bodily connection to it. Like mm-hmm. you you were sitting rather rigidly and and just in the way you were talking and, and kind of talking through concepts without a connection, mm-hmm. or not, not without a connection, but not without a, like a bodily connection or emotional connection to it. It was very head-centered or head more of a head overload place, like just sharing facts and telling me stories and telling me story. And then when I offered to pause us and just bring it down and slow down. I was just going to mention that moment. I was just going to say that moment. moment. (laughs) Boom, connection, that it wasn't just about this churn of all the things that I have to do. It was about, oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, it really, it was, and it was as simple as, can we just take a pause for, let's just take a pause and breathe and and, and it just, that was like a, a shift. Everything shifted at that point. And it was so cool. I mean, it, it was an amazing session. It brought me down. Like I, I felt by the end of it, I felt so solid. <laughs> um, uh, so, I mean, and it's interesting to know that you could, you were reading body language throughout that to sort of see where I was at and then to have the knowledge to go, do you want to we'll just slow it down for a minute? And it was very powerful, very, very powerful. Um, yeah. So, uh, okay, well, again, further, more about PCC coaching. And mm-hmm. now, now I'm thinking about the session. <laughs> and I think the, the big thing as I've, I've gone through, and I, and I publicly share this when I'm teaching, that the ICF takes this process very seriously. This is, this is not some, oh, I'm going to apply and I'm just, I will be magically knighted as a PCC. No, no, and no. They're very serious and take the concept of coaching as they present it very, I don't want to say seriously again, so I've said it enough. Um, they understand the importance of it and particularly the importance of the client being in the lead and being in it being really the one who's empowered in the session that the pathway that I had to apply through, I had to, re- I had to submit two recordings for um, evaluation. One of them passed, the other one didn't. And my mentor and I, she even said to me, I don't think that second one's gonna pass because you 
you really selected the topic of that session. Like, but I didn't, I, we client came in saying everything was kind of okay. And knowing that there was a bridge of concept between a number of sessions, like, so, you know, last time we had talked about this, is that something you want to talk about today? And she said, yes. And I asked her three times, like, are you really sure? So I, I figured I had cleared myself of any responsibility at that point. I did get three agreements. Um, but I was the one who offered it. Mm -hmm. So therefore I chose the path of coaching. Therefore in that moment, I didn't pass that, that credentialing box Boom. call didn't pass because it set the tone for the rest of the call. Even though we dove deep and went everywhere else did hit the other boxes because I chose the path. That is one no, no, that, that would be intentionally leading. Void. Doesn't yeah. work. Um, and again, I was in my mode of self-righteousness at that point. It's like, yes, I'm going to do it. But the, the <laughs> learning I got out of that was so powerful because I, I have a space where I, I think a lot in the gray. I am very much not a polar person of black and white. And I could see, I made my case for myself that it was going to pass. And she's like, I don't know. They're going to see it that way. <laughs> they didn't. Um, when I went to my second recording, similar situation, even though the client approved that one, um, the client chose the pathway. So that one is currently in a reevaluation. So I, I asked for a secondary evaluation on that one. And hopefully in the next week, I'll know about it. But so talk, uh, talk to me ahead. a little bit about that, that too. I mean, so you can, um, in, so if you don't pass, you can ask for a reevaluation. Um, yes. I, I mean, we, well, can you share a little bit about I don't know that? that you can, I don't know that you can always do that. Mm -hmm. I, I made a solid case. I didn't, I sat back with it for a day because there was that, that initial wounding of, ow, that hurt. <laughs> um, and then I shared the evaluation with my mentor and she and I had very similar feelings on the evaluation. So I, knowing that my feelings were then validated by someone not attached to my outcome, I typed up a very nice and very linear message saying, you know, there are notations here of things that were not observed. But as I listen to the recording, and I go back over the transcript at two minutes and six, se six seconds, this core competency took place at eight minutes and whatever, this one took place. And I gave them exactly the space where the evaluator said some, did not see something. I said, no, it actually took place here and it took place here and it took place here. Um, so where that leads, I don't know, but because of the way I approached it, I at least was granted a reevaluation. I don't, I don't know if that's the norm or not. Okay. I, I may have just gotten lucky on that one, um, but I can still, I think you're allowed to submit up to two reevaluation, two reevaluation recordings per quarter. So, okay. That's interesting. I did. So again, you can submit and then if you don't pass, you're going to have to wait to submit until later on, or until the next quarter, essentially. Yes. Yeah, um, and you get two, two submissions per quarter, um, $150 per submission. So just know that going in as well. Pass, go, pay 250 <laughs> <laughs> 150 sorry. Did the reevaluation cost any money? I guess not because you don't know. It's not a standard kind of thing, right? That one, they, that one, they were just going to reevaluate. So, okay. and again, it, it may have been be in the way that I wrote the letter. I don't know. I don't know that that's a normal thing. Don't count on it. I got lucky, but I don't know what the outcome is yet. Thank you for being so willing to share because a lot of people would probably feel a little uncomfortable with sharing the fact that they didn't pass something or, um, but I think it's appreciated because not everybody's going to, and it's a, it's a place of space of learning. So it is. And that's how I look at it. Just like I said, that, that whole thing of, I think about what would have happened how would I show up as a mentor? Because one of the goals of getting the PCC is to be able to mentor others coming up through the ranks from to get their, their ACC and beyond. If I was playing in the gray and I got away with it, how would I then show up as a mentor in what really comes down to a very black and white process of you, you checked the box or you didn't? There, and there are spaces within the core companies, you don't have to check everyone within certain components you got to check them. And if you don't check so, it clearly, it ain't going to pass. So yeah, with the evaluation, just to hear, talking to that for a minute. So they're, they're, they're going to go through and give it to you and you have to hit every single core competency all the way down, uh, of which there are, is it 13 or 11? 11. 
11. 11. I don't know. No. Uh, and you don't have to check this. And some have four or five spaces under that core competency. You don't mm -hmm. have to check every one of those, but you've got okay. to show up in a couple of them. At least show up to some degree. So those core competencies are very, very critical. Another okay. reason why they have you really study those in the ACC and all that um, yes. makes, or a CKA, sorry. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, interesting, okay. Um, and then, so talk to me about mentor coaching a little bit. So what does that entail? What does that, I mean, now that you've had one and you've experienced it, I think a lot of people don't quite know what they're in for when they ask for a mentor coach or what, what that is. Sure. So in under the ICF for this process, there are very specific things that constitute who is qualified to be a mentor. And it's someone who is at ACC level through a renewal, which means they've been ACC level for at least three years. You need some time under your belt. You can't just become an ACC and then be a mentor. You, you need some experience at that level. So that person, when you hire them, will guide you through the core competencies. They'll, they'll ask well, what, what things are coming up for you. So there's a little bit, there's some coaching to it of what's coming up for you through this process and what do you want to get out of the process. There's also true mentoring. Mm -hmm. They'll listen to those recordings and give you an evaluation form back saying, here's what I'm hearing here. Um, the person I worked with, I loved how she would listen to the recordings and then she would mark time on certain things. And when it was time for us to have a session, she'd sit down and say, okay, you know, like have your transcript open or have the recording ready. And we're going to jump to seven, like the seven minute area. And when you, when you read that, or when you listen to it, what, what are you hearing in it now? And then how the question you asked, how might you ask it differently? Cause the question you asked was kind of leading. What, how could you ask it to open it up more broadly? Um, and that was a fascinating process is in, in the moment you tend to, I know I do, I tend to default to what's familiar, mm -hmm. but as she gave me the space to then kind of go back and reevaluate it as, as my own observer, okay. bring a new skill of you know, how would I ask that question differently? Cause I, I have a couple things that I tend to lean on a bit. I, I'm aware of it now. So as I hear those certain prompts come up, I'll, step back and take a breath to try and flex into, I said, try, oh my God, to actually flex into that new space. <laughs> oh, we lost you. We lost your audio. Oh, I'm here. I'm sorry. I was there trying, I, my, uh, my phone started ringing and I was trying to figure out where it was. It was right in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, you're talking about uh, flexing into the space of, of uh, listening and working with your, your mentor coach and um, having that moment where, where the actual evaluation of all of that. I, I know that I have seen your facilitating um, style change and sort of grow throughout this process. Um, there's, you just sort of settled into this groove um, of the, and it's just very natural. Um, and, and the way that you interact with students is, um, it's, I mean, it's remarkable, really. Um, very, you, you wanna speak into that, how, how it uh, affected you as a facilitator as well, this process? Yeah, two things happened and one, I experienced a coaching intensive in May that was 21 days and a lot of group work going on there. So I saw the power of group coaching and even going back to before it, going back to the times BC before COVID those olden days. Um, BC, that oh, we, that's hilarious. <laughs> we, um, when I would teach the class, I think part of what comes forward for me is that same thing that's, that's part of the being honest about, yeah, I didn't pass the first time, mm -hmm. um, of meeting the students, meeting everybody where they're at in that space of not knowing. Because I, I remember being there mm -hmm. and I, I, I know my path out of, you know, my path forward in it. I can only meet people where they are. So in, in that, that empathy, and I like to, this may sound strange to say, I like to facilitate the class as though it's a three-day coaching session. So yeah, there are things to teach, but in those moments when questions come up from students, sometimes it's not just about a transactional answer of, oh, here's your answer. Mm -hmm. It's more of a, a gaining an understanding and I'll just impromptu go into coaching questions. Tell me more about that. Help me understand this. And we'll build it out. And what do you think out of that? 
rather than just, oh, here's your answer. <laughs> and I'm moving on because I, I want to be more, I want it to feel that way because what happens, and I know I, I know this from being a scuba diving instructor and, and from having other group conversations, if it's coming up for one person, it's coming up for more than one. So exactly. let's facilitate it. And that there's power in those moments when you just stay in the flow, just like you would in a coaching session of being fully present. And if I can be present either in person for a group of 20 to 24 people and flowing through those moments or present on a Zoom where we might have 30 or 34, that helps me flex my muscle that now when I'm one-on-one with somebody, I'm even more attentive and present. What's amazing too is, uh, I mean, I, I have a, a whole new appreciation for that, especially, I mean, in level two, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity for this kind of moment to happen. And um, I, I have learned so much in Elva just watching others and how, I mean, really we do experience things sort of universally. Um, uh, everybody on some level is sort of going through a very a similar experience or we felt it, the, the imposter syndrome, the I mean, number of things. We've all sort of been there. And so it's really neat to watch those coaching moments in the class. And because I do, I learn every single time. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I, there was one in particular that was at first level two and it was just so powerful. It was just so very cool. Um, uh, with regard to that too, it's it's very impressive to see you um, coach somebody in such a short amount of time because it's able. I think because everybody's sort of there and open, right, already, mm-hmm. and they're they're you've started to develop. Talk a little bit about that. Like day one, early on, you're not probably not going to be coaching to the degree you will be day three, right? Because <laughs> we have what I what I like to share in the class is that the work gets done in rapport. And so like the first time we meet somebody, there's like, I'm kind of getting a sense of who they are. We're really creating that bond of experience together. And just think about anybody you've ever met in your life. There's that first time you meet them and there are those rare human beings. You're like, I've known you for my entire life and you're just an open book. But others like there, there's an opening of pages gradually before you just say, I'm an open book. Um, As we get to get the rapport of the room developed, things open up. So typically on particularly level one on Friday, there's a lot of structure around just what is coaching. It's the more transactional portion of the training. And as we move into the deeper stuff on the afternoon or into day two, that's where we really start opening up and talking about blocks and um, barriers and uh, boundaries, the things that are more personal and come up unique for everybody. By the time we come into level two, everybody's been out doing doing some coaching. They've had the experience of being in a group with others. Sometimes even in level two, there's people they know from level one. So there's already some rapport built into the room. And it just, it clicks a little bit faster because we've known each other. We've been in the CLCI family for a little bit. And now we're just getting together for another weekend. This is great. I, I love it. It's, um, I like the, I mean, it, it... I think somebody once described it as it, it takes it from the head, which is the, the level one is the foundation. It brings it to the heart and it, um, which is really that deeper dive kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, it, it is, it's, it's very cool to watch both levels because you get to watch this transition of the students and where they come in from day one and day three. And it's really, um, I mean, it's, it's neat. It's miraculous. It's cool because they really do. Those days in between are so important. I, I mean, talk about a, 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 something to drive home the point that, you know, you need to sleep, you need to, and that's when things really settle in um, and taking that, having them co- make coach calls at home. I think that also tremendously mm-hmm. it, it attaches that real world to the classroom kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, and then in particularly in level one, when we go into that final coaching session of day one and we we give them the little bit of the framework, like, you know, become coach and client, be comfortable with the silences and the tears. And I'll mention it there, like not so much today will that happen. Tomorrow and Sunday is the possibility because we, the building of the rapport that on Friday, we're, even though they've been together for about seven hours at that point, there's still a sense of not being completely vulnerable yet. There's still that testing and, and getting settled into everyone else in the class. So we'll t- tend to have a little more protection up. But then after we've had that conversation and allowed 
you know, whoever the partner was in that moment, meeting everyone with grace and acceptance and in a place of non-judgment, sleep on it, see the safety of it, have the conversations the next day. And typically either that later morning coaching session or the afternoon is where usually one or two people will really allow themselves to go to that vulnerable place and have the emotional release. And props to them for for being willing, so willing to mm-hmm. open up in front of the group and have that emotional moment, a vulnerable moment where people with an audience, because mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't willing to do that. So that's kind of amazing. Um, real quick, I so we're we're getting close to the end of our time here, but we've got a little bit of time. So what I'd love to talk to you a little more about, and I know Jerome wants me to ask a little more about it too. <laughs> um, uh, Talk to me about your personal business. I know that in all this as well, through this last year, your your brand and business and approach to who you are coaching and everything has also grown and changed. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about that experience and what that was like. Yeah, the it has really shifted since May. I think that was the breakthrough moment coming out of the intensive that I took that I I came to a deep awareness. My original branding, my original theme, my, my ideal client was a guy 28 to 45 in a bit of like an existential crisis, mainly around career, but life in general. And that was my original marketing for the first God, um, four years of my business since I, I first opened in Florida. And it, it evolved a little bit, but that tended to be who I spoke to because that was me. In some ways still is at certain levels, but was the old me. And coming through this intensive, I had a coaching experience with someone, gentleman in England, um, who through our conversations and the deep questions he asked me, I felt like on the other side of that conversation, I was seen as a whole human being for the first time. Like even the stuff that I tend not to talk to people about the, the spooky side of what I do, that I'm so happy to be immersed in that world, but it's not something most people want to hear about. Um, and he, he had a way that we brought it together into the seeing of magic, whether it's something that isn't there because other people aren't seeing it or just a system that might be broken in a business. And I'm able to see that, that Mm -hmm. thing that's out of place in the system to help it work properly. Mm -hmm. And in that space of seeing what isn't there is where the magic takes place. That has then evolved into my, my real understanding of purpose is to help, uh, help people's light be seen, to help people really stand in their authority and shine their light so that other people can see it, particularly as coaches that, you know, it's not about chasing your clients. It's about being a lighthouse and standing strong, standing tong, standing strong so that you can be seen. A lighthouse doesn't chase down the coach following ships. They come to the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. So getting your light shining bright, the, the illustration over my shoulder is my superhero character that is my now avatar to remind me of that every day, that that's my job is to help people shine their light and intensify it. Okay, we have to see the superhero character closer, right. please. I'm gonna I mean, go, we have to. I'm going to go Blair Witch here for one second, so bear with me. <laughs> and that is, that's it. That is the character Fresnel. Fresnel. Very cool. And the name comes from the lenses on lighthouses that intensify light so it can be seen for miles and miles and miles at sea. Um, and so talk to, so, so when you're working with clients and you're, you're doing this and you're helping them, you know, have their light seen, um, what does that, I mean, how does that make you feel? What does that do for you as a coach, as a person, as a human being? It's fulfilling. So I love it. No pun intended. I love seeing the light go off in people's eyes. I loved it when I was a scuba diving instructor and this is, as they knelt down, the water went past their eyes for the first time. There's that moment of not trusting of like, I can't breathe here. I can't breathe here. And then you trust that the regulator in your mouth is going to give you air. And when it does, like, Oh, wow. Like, <laughs> the other three quarters of the world just opened up to me. And I can now explore the entire world. Um, I remember that moment for me. And when I taught, I loved seeing that moment in the eyes of others reflected back at me. And it, it gives me a, a feeling of a fullness that I know I'm living my purpose. That's, um, that's amazing. I mean, that is, that is powerful. That is very, very powerful stuff. Um, uh, 
do me talk a little bit more about you, your business, your brand, your everything that you do so that if people want to get a hold of you or find you beyond CLCI, they can and um, uh, share a little bit about that and then we'll wrap up. <laughs> yeah, so you anybody can find me at danielolexa.com. Um, I talk a lot about my about page is now what I don't want you to know about me, which was, that was a major shift in branding. Um, and <laughs> kind of the, the theme of who is my ideal client, that, that person who's been hiding, feeling the safety and being hidden when actually the safety is in burning bright. That oh. chase, the burning bright chases away the vampires. That, that's a powerful moment of realization, particularly when we feel like we've had to have been hidden for so long. Um, in December, I'm doing a retreat in Peru that will be a spiritual retreat for personal empowerment of connecting back, to, really connecting back to and unleashing our soul's purpose in life. Um, really, I cannot wait for that trip to happen. And we're going to have a lot oh, of fun. Yeah, the, the sea that has not been, has put you a bit through the ringer with that one, um, I know. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's going to be, I mean, it's, it sounds like an amazing, amazing experience. It's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. And the funny thing is I've just kind of let, not that I had a choice. <laughs> I allowed myself to be comfortable with what has happened with COVID that when I planned this trip and committed to it in June of 19, December was my original set of dates as I was drafting the, what the week was going to look like. I, I kept getting this little tap of intuition saying it had to be sooner. It had to be sooner. So I picked July for an earlier date, which then because of COVID July became October and because of COVID October became July of next year. My December dates have never changed. They've huh. always, they were always the first pick and there's something that just feels funny right now in a good way that the original set of dates will be the first set of dates. That is, I mean, that's, again, uh, I think it's one of those things where you can, you can recognize, choose to, to pay attention to it or not, but I think that, that uh, I would agree with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, one of those moments uh, where we're, where it feels like we're writing, we're going down the right path. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I just want to, I want to thank you for sharing and I want to thank you for sharing uh, everything that you've shared today. And um I, again, I love the concept of, of helping people see, have their light seen, stand in their power, their light, their, I, one of the things I, I've always said is, do you know that moment when you feel like your light's on? Like, you know, and that's true. There's, there's just so much energy and exhilaration and excitement, and there's no nothing like it in the world when you're in that space. And so the fact that you're bringing people to that space and helping them find it for themselves is amazing because I'm, finding your purpose. I mean, that's huge. That's like knowing what it is. <laughs> it's that, that moment of shining light. It's an empowering space and it's really scary at the same time. Yeah. When we connect into just how much power we have and how truly unlimited we are, that's, that is a moment of awakening that it's easy to back up from. And it's all, and it's, it, because of everything we learned about and tell ourselves a story, it's easy to back up from it, but really continuing to push into it once we've experienced it is such an empowering place to live. So what can you, what can you, what would you say to somebody who's, who's starting to feel that starting to get that sort of inclination that, that light starting to, then they're starting to realize, oh my God, the world's opening up to them. What do you, what would you say to them to keep them walking towards the light? take a deep breath, trust, and just keep following the path. And if you feel like you need to pause for a moment, take the pause because the growth that's coming can sometimes be exhausting and allow yourself, you don't have to run a marathon every day. Allow yourself the moments of pause to really let everything kind of sink in. Just like we were just talking about with training. Mm-hmm allow those moments to sink in and, and take stock of how far you've come on the journey and know that you've, you've gone that distance. And yes, there's still more to go, but you are so much closer and you've gained the strength and the awareness to make the rest of that journey even simpler. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Um, Jerome, do you have anything? Um, I think I, I was able to toss it, it. I'm getting some work done here in my home. So it was noisy. I had to mute myself. But um, 
you guys are flowing so well. I didn't even want to interrupt anyways. But um, I think, again, I think Brooke was able to toss some questions under. We don't have any more time. I would have liked to ask something, but I think everything <laughs> beautifully. And um, I do appreciate you, Dan, for coming on and talking. Anytime I can sit in front of you and just listen to you speak. It's you can ask it. Jerome, ask. If you have one thing you want, ask it. <laughs> In reality, it was too loud to, to ask it earlier, but I'm sure we can talk to Dan offline. Oh, come uh, on. So, well, do you want to do a speed round? Sure. Yeah, I was like, we could do, yeah. I'm sure Dan can answer quick questions. Okay, <laughs> okay speed round. I was just curious about, um, so when, when you personally, for yourself, um, you're in a space of hypnotherapy, and then also, obviously, with life coaching, and then you're talking about spiritual retreats. Do you have a preference when it comes to your own personal development to turn to um, when you find yourself in a difficult spot, do you find that there is uh, one place where you go to more often than another space? Yes and no, and it all depends on what level it's coming up at. If it's more of a conscious awareness, I'll, I'll tend to coach myself through it. If it's something that's deeper, that, I really, that I'm feeling like a limiting belief that's, that's back in here, um, then I'll lean toward hypnosis and meditation to find my new balance. But let's just say I was having an interaction with, I was talking to somebody and something triggered and I kept thinking about it. Then I would, I would probably just stay in coaching to kind of like, what was it that came up? What was it about the conversation? Why am I still thinking about it to get an understanding of what my attachment was to it or maybe to that person and the relationship that we have um, when it's more, deep stuff um, of taking action, really owning the new level of the business and everything else, that's where I'll go into um, hypnosis to keep myself going forward and really owning. It's all it's all leveling up and, and taking and really owning it, feeling deserving of it at each and every level. And um, that's going to sound weird for me to say, but there are places I haven't expanded to yet. I'm still on that path. And some of them are like, holy crap, seriously? Um, there's a moment of recognition and awareness and that's all you know, releasing the subconscious limiting beliefs and the factors that are telling me that even at this point, there's still little voices in there that say, you're not deserving of that. Just um, continue knocking those down. Well, and I, I think that the, that we all, I mean, I hope to always be growing and improving and, mm -hmm. and, um, and creating that space for myself and, and realizing, because I found the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. So um, uh, I love that that though, they bring such a, 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 the world is huge. The universe is huge. There's so much to learn. That's so exciting. So mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I love that. Uh, is there anything else you want to ask Jerome? I just, again, appreciate that uh, perspective and, um, just kind of like what you mentioned, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just awesome to hear someone else's perspective in different spaces that actually, hopefully, eventually one day be able to utilize too, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here in a chair. I'm not levitating at three feet off the ground. I'm totally <laughs> levitating. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been levitating this whole time. <laughs> um, and final thoughts, we've got about a minute left. <laughs> Dan, anything you want to say? <laughs> I am golden. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And just, I love, I love being here and teaching and being able to share my, what I've learned with the students. And I love the students who come in because everyone comes from that heart centered place of wanting to help others. And it, I, I see it every class that it makes my job so easy to teach. It it's, uh, makes it's warm and fuzzies. It's 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 amazing to be in a room full of people that want to make the world a better place. And mm -hmm. that's then then there and there. One thing I know about us, who we all work together, is we are we are all out for one another and and not for ourselves in many ways. And that's I mean we we support and it's amazing and it's a beautiful beautiful place to be. So thank you so much for being here, Dan. I'm gonna wrap up and say thank you guys for watching everybody. Um, if you like this video, comment and share. Make sure you check out danielalexa.com. Check out Dan. <laughs> um, he's awesome and amazing. And he's also one of our facilitators. Make sure you look at our classes, Certified Life Coach Institute. He could be teaching you. So, um, and, and well worth it. Uh, thank you guys. Comment, share, like, all that good stuff. And um, have a good day, everybody. Bye. <laughs> hey everyone. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF accredited school 
who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.